Today on Lead One, coaching conversation. Welcome to the Lead One podcast, where our mission is to lead leaders through leadership. The goal is to get 1% better every day. Let's see what Drew and the guys have to say. All right, welcome back to Lead One podcast. Uh, it's been a minute while since we've got an episode feels good to be back on the mic i got brandon and sam buck with us today what up <laughs> oh, there we go there we go <laughs> so uh so today we're talking about coaching conversations um and and i think i've got to maybe preface that title with i think we're talking a little more along the lines of the the difficult coaching conversations or the ones that maybe are slightly uncomfortable um, I was out at our corporate office uh, for a uh, leadership academy, and I was asked to speak on this topic. Actually, Brandon and Sam were in attendance, but we didn't get to have a conversation about it, so I thought uh, this would be the appropriate place to do so. so. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool to see you uh, present in front of everybody. Always like to see uh, you know yeah, our know. agency owner out there looking like a star like he is. Superstar. Mm-hmm. Superstar, you did great too, by the way. Oh well, thank you. So, so the 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 first note I had was that it's it's difficult to have these coaching conversations if you don't have a relationship with the person. And so, I guess before we dive into that, I just what, what's your guys' thoughts? I don't know. I think sometimes these conversations is uh, a little bit easier when you don't have a relationship with the person. Because you get to, you know, you're not emotionally attached to them. Yeah. And um, and I think me and Sam was talking about this a little bit earlier. I was talking to one of my agents. And one of them I do have a relationship with. And I could talk to him a certain way. Another person I don't really have a relationship with. And I have to talk to him a certain way. You know, I can't really. I need to. Um, I felt like I needed to be the uh the authority um so he can so he can um understand where I'm coming from and where 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 he need to uh apply his ability um but I don't know I think I think that conversation was a little bit easier for me because I'm like emotionally invested in the other person and I want him to do well and I want him to da 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 and this person I want him to do well but it's I need him to understand that it's eighty percent you. You got to get out of your own way. You get what I'm saying? But then the question I would ask is: Do you think you're equally as effective with both of those people? I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> well, see, the biggest thing I think relationship is is about perspective because relationship is uh, universal. You have a relationship with everybody, but you don't have the same type of mm, relationship with everybody. True, true. So I think from a, a leadership standpoint, it all comes to first and foremost recognizing and being able to identify accurately what type of what type of relationship yeah. you have with that person and be able to have your communication style to match the relationship to either grow it to where it needs to be or to cultivate it to where you got to get to for, you know you know for whatever that relationship entails yeah you know in in terms of i guess relationship i don't think you that you've got to know everything about the person but i think a mistake that i made early on in my career was um i was because I was young, I didn't want, I didn't let anybody too close. They didn't know me. I really didn't know them. It's like we worked together and then that's where the line stopped. And because of that, it meant that I was having, um, 
almost like blanket conversations with like every coaching conversation was the same. So if I, Brandon, if I was talking to you and then I, then my next conversation was with Sam, y'all probably got the exact same information delivered in the exact same way. And I think the mistake that I made was because I didn't know maybe circumstances is a better word. So obviously if you're coaching, it's probably because there's room for improvement, right? right, Wouldn't you think? So, you know, you're, you're offering advice or talking to them about things they could do better. And so I think a lot of times when somebody is not performing at the level that you think they should, um, there's can be other drivers to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam, you just, you know, your mom's been in the hospital. She's had surgery. If I didn't know that about Sam and I was just looking at a report and I was going to have a blanket conversation with him, I think I could, we could argue that it probably wouldn't be very effective because I, I don't know the circumstances. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so anyway, I think that's, I think that's where it's got to start. Whether, regardless of how you define relationship, it's, it's knowing enough about the person to at least know the circumstances. I think we would all, um, communicate and respond differently to somebody who's maybe going through trials and tribulations and that kind of thing out, maybe even outside of the workplace. Um, and then I also ha- had some notes on things to consider prior to the conversation. One of the things that my dad used to always challenge me with is, is somebody going to leave the conversation more motivated or less motivated afterwards? Um, and, you know, I think there's probably, I think if you're measuring your effectiveness, then you always want them to leave more motivated. Yeah. I certainly think that there's industries that, this doesn't necessarily apply as much to, you know, I mean, I think if somebody's, you know, W2, I mean, they, they got to do it the way they were told. It doesn't really matter if they like it. Now, you know, obviously if they did, they might do a better job, but I think if you're, you know, if you're managing, um, you know, 1099 salespeople or, you know, I always, I think about a, a Sam, a church, a lot of times, man, you, you got volunteers, volunteers right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. The hardest people to manage. Sure. Um, and so I've, that's something that I've kept with me of trying to challenge myself with before I have this conversation, maybe the way I want to have it, is this person going to leave more motivated Mm. after this conversation? Um, and obviously we don't always succeed in that, but yeah. Yeah. I guess I think the biggest thing, not to have guesswork in it involved in your conversation style. I think, you know, for, for some people you go in and say, yo, yo, what you going to do? Yeah. That might motivate them. Yeah. Another person, it might cause them to go into a place where they can't recover, right? Um, so knowing, like I said, knowing this type of relationship and also understanding who you're talking to, I think sometimes we lead people um, based on what we see in the mirror and not necessarily uh, what they see in the mirror, mm. if that makes sense. And so we, 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 we lead sometimes, especially when we're new at leadership, I know I made this mistake. We lead thinking people are, are similar to us. And we fail to realize or do the right, you know, we say die to give us the questions to answer, right, uh, to ask, right? Right. Um, but we got to do a good job of on the front end asking the right questions to figure out who that what, person is. Yeah, what motivates yeah, them. Yeah, what motivates mm-hmm. them. or or Because sometimes people can say one thing, but they're – their body and their their movements do something totally different. So as a leader, I think I got to always do a good job of not just paying attention to what they say, but when they actually get motivated, right? So if I if I have someone on my team 
And I've been preaching to them and coaching them and coaching them. It doesn't seem like something clicked. And then all of a sudden something happens and they feel slighted. And the next thing they know, they excel. Then I'm like, oh, you excel in, in, in controversy a little bit. Or like when you feel like. So I, if I recognize that as a leader, I got to kind of be honest. You got to be a coach, right? You know, coaches, a great coach will not coach everyone the same. They'll put them in positions uh, or have conversations with them to get them in a place where they can excel within within the plan that the coach has systematically, right? So, you know, I, it's so funny. I looked up the word scheme this morning for some reason, right? I was – I randomly look up definitions. Why, why are you looking at it? Because I was – I watch American – No, I watch, American greed, I watch American Greed. I watch American Greed all the time. Yeah. And they always talk about Ponzi schemes and all yeah. this. I was like, what is the actual definite – you know, random thoughts of scheme? And it literally says – to systematically devise a plan to change some uh, to get a particular thing or to place a particular idea. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a bad thing if you were trying to place a particular idea. And sometimes we got to scheme in the right ways to get those people to motivation. But we got to pay attention. We don't do a good job of paying attention. Yeah, I, I'm I'm coaching our. You know, le- leading uh, one of my, one of my agents is like uh, virtual, like fully vir- virtual, and I had to break down and tell him that you, you got to come in here a couple a couple days, be because I don't know how to manage him. I I don't know enough. I know like I know from conversations, but I don't know. I ain't see his body language. I don't. You know, I I. I'm not close enough to him to know exactly what's actually happening, you know, to try to fix and try to, you know, try to put him in the trajectory of success. Um, So, you know, things to consider prior to the conversation is like, for me in that situation was like, hey, get here so I can so I can actually diagnose what's going on. Well, and I think that, you know, that leads to the next point of, is the conversation about you or about them? And so, Brandon, in your case, is it you want this guy in the office because you just don't want to figure out how to manage him and that's the easiest path? Or is it because mm. you think that's what's going to be best for his success? Now, I think you, you're doing it because – it's what you believe is best for his success. That's it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. But I think a lot of times in in a coaching role, um, you know, you got to decide is are are you is the situation is it like making you mad? Is it angering you? Or are you having this conversation because it's what's best for them? Um, and Sam, when it was interesting when you were talking about scheme, you know, I, was, I couldn't help but think. Uh, another point I had written down was you can be right or you can be effective. And to me, that's what a scheme scheming is by that definition is figuring out the most effective way to do something. Um, and, and that's not always what maybe makes you feel like you're in the right. To me, that's what's sometimes exhausting about maybe the role that we're in or just the role of leadership in general is because, um, I, I, I did a personality assessment probably, eight or nine years ago, and I don't even remember what it was called, but it did a pretty good job of painting the picture to me of who I am and who what my natural responses to things are. You wasn't a dove, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't animal correlated. Um, but, but it was helpful to me because it, it helped teach me, you know, what my natural responses to things were going to be. And there's so many times where 
I would want to respond a certain way or have a conversation in a certain manner because that's what would justify me or that's what would make me right. But it would not have gotten the best result out of the person that we're talking to. You know, and Sam, you mentioned it is, you know, knowing your people and knowing, okay, who does a good, you know, chew and gnaw down, motivate and other people that puts them in, that puts them in reverse for two or three days. Right. Um, but it's constantly figuring out, okay, here's how I want to have this conversation, but what is actually going to deliver the best results with the person that you're talking to? Mm. That's huge. <laughs> you said, mm, like you had something. Um, I'm just taking it in. Then the other, you know, the other thing to consider prior to the conversation is what exactly is the desired outcome? Yeah, I think too too many times with when it comes to coaching, and once again, we're talking specifically about maybe areas of improvement or somebody's not doing what they, what you think they should be doing, and you let emotions get in, and sometimes you just have an emotional conversation, but you don't really know what exactly you're trying to achieve. Sam, I can think of a situation um, dealing with somebody on your staff, you were actually out. I kind of had an emotional conversation. It really wasn't necessarily a desired outcome. I was just ticked, <laughs> you know? And I think if you can step back and realize, okay, what am I really trying to accomplish here? You know, right, right. Am, I, am, I trying to, am I trying to help this person or am I trying to fire this person? And whichever one it may be, then stick to that plan. Right. That's the, and that's the, that's the key, like knowing the plan. Like I think, uh, oftentimes we have uh, one of our, our guests and, and part of our organization, Chris Elgin, always talks about reverse engineering things, right? And I think you can do that for something as simple as a plan of action for um, for your you know your staff, your team members, or and yourself, right? So you know just kind of knowing what the end goal is, and I, I think sometimes you could do a lot of wrong things the right way, and vice versa. You know what I mean, and so so when when I, I told you I watch American Greed, right? Yeah. And so, um, what makes it the Ponzi scheme is the fact that they're taking these this money, right? They start off with a premise that was a false, a, 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 a falsehood, right? Something. Yeah, they start. They say they have the money to, um, they have the the ability to double or triple or. Yeah, or pay you somebody back somebody else's you money. Right. Yeah. But they, they what they do is just pay other people with the new money, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, right. So it's a bank. Yeah, but but what <laughs> but in the middle there is a quality that a lot of people don't have, which is the ability to galvanize, raise funds. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. But then if there's an end goal, if there's a beginning that's a, a, a solid foundation and you use what's in the middle and you have something on the actual end, those same people could be actually more successful. Oh, if they just put their efforts towards something ethical. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. because yeah, the problem is there's no end goal in a Ponzi scheme. I mean, they all come crumbling down. Name one that's been in existence for 30 years. You, I mean, you can't. can't. You right. can't. So and so and it's I, short term. It's, it's correlations to everything good and, and bad. Like, I often say this. You know, maybe maybe this is not the podcast for that, but there is not a big difference in skill set between a CEO and a kingpin. Mm. There's not in skill set, right? Yeah. But there is a difference in outcome. So you got to do a good job as a leader, understanding that your outcome dictates who people see you to be. You know what I mean? Because, you know, <laughs> um, I, I, Godfather is a scene in Godfather where he's talking. He just came back from Italy. And he's talking to uh, Kay, 
right? He just got out the car. She was at school. Y'all remember? Y'all know Godfather too, right? Godfather. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he so he gets out the car, and he's talking to her, and he's talking about I'm going to work for my father now. And she says, uh, she he he says my father. She said, but I thought you didn't like you know like what your father does. He said my father's no different than any other powerful man. And uh, she says, she says, uh, well, senators and presidents don't get people killed. And she said, he said, are you that naive? Mm. So it's like there are similarities. Is this, is this Alex Jones? Things, is this Alex Jones podcast? Hey, yo, this is this is real stuff though. I was about to say. <laughs> this is real stuff. So I'm saying from a leadership standpoint, bring it around. If your outcome, if your outcome is okay, is your, if your outcome is correct, your actions will then follow it. I think people's outcome though. Your outcome as a leader, or the outcome they want. That's what I'm saying. If your outcome is to help them. If you're get outcome, to, their outcome. to get to to get to wherever they want to be, because sometimes we lead with ourselves in, in, in the in the perspective, right? Yeah. So we're thinking about objectives we need to make. We think about I don't want to use internal internal words, but we think about all those things that we need, right? Yeah, yeah. And when we're tapping those conversations, try to get them motivated to do something that we want, opposed to getting them to their outcome, which ultimately will get us to ours. Sure. Yeah. And to bring that back around, if you have a relationship, then you know what their desired outcome is, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, the the other thing to consider is every conversation from a coaching standpoint, at least in my opinion, should should ideally be preparing somebody for where they're going, not where they are. And I think sometimes the mistake that we make is when we don't communicate that message. And I just speaking from firsthand experience, I think there's been times where I've had conversations with you guys and probably not done a great job of setting it up ahead of time to say, this is why we're having this conversation. Because it may, it may be something that in your mind you're thinking, why are we talking about this? This doesn't apply today, but it's because I'm trying to look down the road of where I see you in six months, 12 months, or the next position or the next role. I just think about... Um, not that Alabama's on top this year, but just obviously Nick Saban's got a whole lot of guys in the NFL now. Yeah. And I'm just thinking there has to be a point in time in playing for the University of Alabama that Saban starts talking to you about the NFL and that he's coaching you at a level to get you ready for the NFL, not the game next week. Um, but I think if you don't explain that to people, then sometimes that leaves a little bit of confusion of maybe why are you – this hard on me or why are we talking about xyz if you don't realize that that's what that that's what the next level is um you know characteristics of the accountability conversation i i, I put a couple things down there and, and the first thing that i think is probably most important is the preparation for it um and you know and i think as a part of that it means that you need to sleep on that conversation rehearse that conversation um this does a couple things one is uh it's a it's a cool off period you know uh in the state of alabama used to if you wanted to buy a pistol you had to wait like 48 hours before you could go get you could pay for it you just couldn't pick it up for 48 hours they called it a cool off period wow. <laughs> so in, oh, case, in, in case, case you were <laughs> pissed off at somebody you were gonna have to wait you know you might think about not killing them i guess and so wow. um same thing with a coaching conversation if there is emotion involved in it sometimes it gives you time to come back around to um maybe the logical response instead of the emotional one mm. um, i need i need to use that in my marriage a few, a few times 
After <laughs> cooling, on cooling cool off, off period. Yeah, yeah, tell Adrian you got to leave because it's a cool off period. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you better do two days though. No. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't think you better. Yeah, do I nailed that. that down to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, so I've got a long drive to and from the office, and so that's a lot of times where I'm having, you know, the time to reflect. And then I think the other t- the other thing that time does is it when you're rehearsing that conversation is it gives you time to think about okay, well, where does this conversation go if they respond this way? Or where does the conversation go if they respond that way? If you can think ahead enough to have a couple different, then you can be prepared for when maybe it doesn't go as planned because you've rehearsed a couple different scenarios in your mind. Yeah, I think preparation also helps you ask questions more because you already know the answers. And I think sometimes, even when you know, sometimes when we know answers, we so busy, ready to tell them what it is yeah. instead of still asking the question ask the question and let let them answer themselves yeah mm-hmm. definitely well people always the idea is always better when they came up with it of themselves course. right yeah of course um you know the other thing is regardless of what what industry or business you're in you, you obviously have some some data and using the data of what results have been achieved um and and maybe the the lack of results for instance seems to remove all the emotion from so it do, it it does it's not personal at that point i'm not talking about brandon why didn't why didn't you do this it's well here is what the result was you can't argue yeah you know you can't argue that information and and if you have their uh desired outcome already in the data so it's like you know you said you were go- in our business you said you said you were going to give us you know 10 appointments a day you know you had you gave us five this day you gave us four this day you gave us this you know what i'm saying it's just it's this is what you you've been doing like how can we get to the 10 the conversation is is just a lot better like it, that. it is but let me ask a question does data lie to you sometimes um i would say n- Data does not lie, but it doesn't necessarily give you the answer. Or the full story sometimes. The full story. Right. Yeah. Because, like, as much as I love data, I think it's a part of it. It's like when, you know, coaches who coach with, purely off of, um, um, like, uh, you know, you know, analysis and numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, percentages and all that stuff, right? And then you have coaches who just, like, know the game and, like, best scenarios you right know? you got to kind of have marry those two together a little bit and i think that's part of once again the relationship sure you know well, it's all going to come back to that it's yeah. always going to come back to it and i think that data is so important because it gives you a, a foundation but it doesn't build the rest of the building yeah you well, see you see the the data not uh, reaching the potential and you're wondering why so yeah you're, so you're asking why you know what's going on Da, 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 da. Just try to have that conversation with them. Well, and a lot of times the problem is, is this conversation doesn't happen, so you're just left looking at the data, wondering why, or formulating your own opinion of why it looks on. the way a certain way. You know, yeah. talking about coaches, and I don't know why I keep talking about Nick Saban, but because uh, you love him, I read a little <laughs> excerpt from from his book where they one of his assistant coaches was saying that he felt like one of the reasons that he was so good in terms of recruiting was because he relied on his eyes um, and that he rarely ever looked at what the popular opinion of that recruit was and may not have even put a whole lot into their stats. If he liked a a highlight film, 
then he would go after that person. Um, so I think that's a good point, Sam. Is I mean, yeah, at, at some point you got to look up from the the the, the spreadsheet yeah. and figure out what's going on, right? Um, that's facts. You know, and I think sometimes we have these coaching conversations, and what we fail to do is put together an action plan that has clear, clearly defined objectives along with a timeline, and then following up on that. You know, um, they say you got to inspect what you expect. And I think if you're dealing with someone who's mature, then regardless of whether or not they maybe even agree with you at the time of the conversation, I think that they should walk away from the conversation realizing that if you didn't care about them, you wouldn't have it, right? Um, So, you know, you got to know that the person is investing that time but I think the problem is we can totally negate the investment we made in the initial conversation if we never follow up and inspect the action items and the timeline that we put in place because it sends that signal that maybe we don't really care, um, which could impact that going back to the relationship. Um, but also, it, it I think it robs some of your credibility as a coach because it's like, okay, well – this is just the the flavor of the day to day. Let me get through this conversation, then he'll never bring this up again. You, said, you done said it, Drew. Yeah, you got it on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, couple couple tips, and one is don't don't put the conversation off. Now, the problem is, I think what happens is sometimes we think, okay, I need this cool off period. I need to rehearse. I need to sleep on it. And we do it for two months. Yeah, then a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bingo. And then and then because it's been that long, now I'm so cooled off, I, it's not that big a deal anymore. I don't really want to have that conversation. What if, what if you have that cool off, it lasts a week, and then they, they, have, a good, they have a good week with not the right activity? That's the perfect. And see that's, see, that's the challenge. The hardest thing to do is coach someone who's winning the wrong way. Yusuf. Why you say that? you've been called out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the reality is, man, like coaching someone, like if you find a team member who wants to still be coached or is so willing to be coached when they're doing well, you found something. Yeah. Like because very few people, well, no, most successful people, I'm going to just say this, always looking for knowledge. Always looking to get better, you know. I was talking like to the a, kind of people that look up definitions of words, like those kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, man, and it just shocked me so much. He's in a position where he doesn't really have to um, listen, do whatever to anybody, and and he was talking about how you know he's going to school now. He no, he's married with three kids, and, and worth probably fifty, sixty million dollars. And he's talking about how he's going to school to get more business knowledge, like entering. I'm like, yo, dog, we went to a four-year school. That's pretty good. He was like, nah, but they have something that I haven't. Those are the people who are set apart a little bit. Yeah. And I like, I think as a coach, you oftentimes, you spend so much time looking for that person that sometimes, sometimes we put conversations off with people who are not that because we really we are kind of overlooking them 
it's like the 80 10 10 rule yeah. a little bit sometimes we we kind of overlook those people because we so far look we're, we're just searching for that 10 percent that's just gonna get it you know what i'm saying and i think that's sometimes the problem with with leadership is that we know what we need and know what that type of person is and sometimes we just overlook the people I've done this. I've been guilty of this, thinking someone had something and they didn't have it. I didn't spend enough time with them. I, you know what I mean? Just well, you you've only got so much time, and you got to choose who to invest it in. Yeah, um, and, and you got to putting that conversation off. What not putting it off helps you get to the to the result. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So the longer like, you put it off, the longer the yeah, change is going. to It could occur. be somebody that's not. You know, this is just not for them. And we were letting them linger, 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 linger. And, you know, they're just not finding success. They're getting more depressed or whatever. Maybe that conversation happens and we decide that, hey, this is, this may not be for you. And then they step into something that is for them, you know, quicker. You know, just getting to the result a lot a lot faster. Well, and I think every every good coach is disciplined. And so part of, of, of not having, of not putting that conversation off is scheduling it. Yeah. Just put put it in your calendar because the reality is, I mean, human nature for most of us is kind of the path of least resistance. Yeah. So inevitably, if I don't have this in my calendar, I have blocked time to make it happen. And it's especially when it's the more difficult conversations, you're not looking forward to them yeah. more than likely unless you're just that like conflict driven person. Right. And so it's just so easy to allow everything throughout the day to interfere and then the problem, like you said, Brandon, the further it gets put off, then oftentimes the further, um, the less the effectiveness of the conversation. Um, you know, and and I just believe that whatever whatever you're dreading doing, so if that's the coaching conversation or the difficult conversation, get it out of the way early in the day. Mm-hmm. Schedule that joker first thing because it's taking up cognitive real estate. You're thinking about it. It's on your mind. Um, what and, I can't remember what part of the Enneagram it was, and but I'm, you know, I got a lot of eight in me, and part of it, it's in the, what does she call it, the gut triad? You remember that part? Mm, I think Where so. certain certain numbers you feel. When One was you talking about when it was like thinking and feeling and then doing. Was it that? No, there's a, there's a triad of the Enneagram. And oh, they, it, they kind of intersect a little bit. Well, it talks about like where people feel certain things. And if you're an eight, you're in the, the gut triad, which means like I remember specifically she asked like if you're anxious, nervous. Um, oh, yeah, it, I do remember. You, you feel it in your gut. So like, like, I mean, my stomach will get upset. if I. That's how much I'm not looking forward to a conversation. Um, so for me, personally, I'm like, well, I don't want to have this upset stomach all day. <laughs> I'm going to get this joker over with, right? So, right. Um, and then the last little tidbit I have, because we're, and inevitably as a leader, you're always going to be in situations or going to have a situation where you're like, I just don't know what to do. And somebody gave me a great tip one time of just flip the desk. You know, so, and obviously this works in a, office format but put the person in your seat and just ask them what would they do if they were in your shoes and oftentimes not that I've done this had to do it very often but it's it's a pretty enlightening conversation because it's kind of like leading them to the answer but letting them figure it out on their own when when they feel the the weight or the burden of what you're dealing with in regards to the circumstance that they've created um it's sometimes funny to watch them maybe even be harder on themselves than you would have been had you been sitting on, on yeah. the other side of the desk. 
So it's pretty good. Well, and I think the 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 last couple of points just to remember in regards to coaching and difficult conversation is there's always going to be discomfort with accountability, um, and you just kind of have to. You know, what, what what's the saying like get get comfortable with the the get uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Get right comfortable, uncomfortable. yeah um and you have to remember that these difficult conversations um you know i've i've got written down save careers but i think somebody you may be listening to this thinking i need to have that difficult conversation with my spouse or with my f- my brother or my son or Ch- my daughter change careers to a relationship absolutely Hell, yeah. how many times you, sometimes you need to have that difficult conversation with yourself true yeah it's real but i mean how many times have you seen families you know fall apart because somebody just wouldn't pick up the phone or drive over to each other's house and sit down and just have a conversation have the uncomfortable conversation yep. yeah. so um so anyway I, I think if you want um successful personal relationships and business relationships that that's just a part of it so all right that's a wrap y'all have a good week if you got one percent of value from this podcast do us a favor like comment share subscribe tell your friend tell your co-worker until we meet again lead one